all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. Happy Halloween! Yes, it will be when this comes out. <laughs> I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Follow us on Insta, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitch at All Bad Things Pod. Email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Join our Facebook discussion group and our Discord. Do all of those things. And join our gift exchange. Yes. Our third annual anti capitalist. Gift exchange extravaganza, extravaganza bonanza. bonanza. Although somebody did point out that it isn't exact exactly anti-capitalist to have a bonanza but what's a bonanza like the actual definition of a bonanza i don't think i know it's like a kind of like a well, that's a bizarre yeah, that's right? what, yeah maybe bizarre? that's what i'm thinking of yeah yeah i don't know what the actual definition but in, but of anyway, bonanza is it just sounds fun <laughs> it does i mean who doesn't who doesn't want to participate in a extravaganza bonanza? exactly so um email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com if you want to join in we'll Get, we'll let you know all the information we need from you. Basically, we just need, like, your name. You know, if somebody addresses some your gift to you, that'll get to you. We ask for your pronouns, preferred pronouns, and your address and a little bit about you. So that's the requirements. And the deadline is November 14th. We will get you your recipient by November 15th. And we're asking to have to try to have gifts mailed out by December 12th. So yes, that's our little These timeline. are all, yes, these are all, uh, yeah, how we would like them to Yes, be. we know that that's yes. not how reality yes. works out, no. always. <laughs> Especially in the Falcon Islands. Yes. <laughs> yeah, when, as, it reached, as we've mentioned, when it reached we've Bruce in, like, March. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. Um, but, yes, this is coming out on Halloween. Yeah. Spooky Halloween. So do we have a fun episode do we have a halloween themed we have a halloween themed disaster Mm. it's creepy and unsettling okay yes in nature well that's what halloween's supposed to be about exactly so i did write an intro but i'm thinking that maybe i shouldn't say it and just let the story unfold okay Uh, and to tell you the title yeah, it's up to you. So this is our Halloween episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and this is the story of the mummies of Guanajuato. I, yeah, don't know about this one. Okay. Uh, primary sources are All That's Interesting, Amy's Crypt, Britannica, The Bulletin of Hi- the History of Medicine, Cliff's Notes, <laughs> and oh. Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We have Just in Time for Halloween. Some grim things to discuss. And it starts with a disease we have, as I don't think, covered on the show yet. And that is... Is it one of the famous ones? It is. Is it the it Black is, Plague? Well, no. So, oh. no. Oh. Um, it, it, but you're right. I don't think we, we haven't covered it, the bubonic plague at all. Um, no, it's cholera. Ooh. That's a bad one. It is a bad one. Still happens to this day. It sure does. We are considered to be in mm-hmm. a pan- currently mm-hmm. in a global pandemic that started back in the 60s, I think, um, of cholera. Um, 
But to me, it's funny because I associate collar with like that book, Love in the Time of Collar, like an old timey thing. It's not, like mm-hmm. you said. Um, but it... I think of it as what happens to a third world country mm. after after a hurricane or a typhoon. Or... What's your understanding of cholera? Of what cholera <sighs> actually is? Isn't it like a? Isn't it a digestive disease? Like something along that line? Yeah, yeah, basically. Like it affects your urinary tract, I think, too. Something like that. I, I don't know. Yeah, but so so let's talk about it. It, 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 do, is... it doesn't sound fun. No. No, it's... Yeah, and trigger warning for gross stuff. Yeah, it sounds like you suffer quite a bit. Um, For anybody who listens to your wrong... Or actually, I think it was maintenance phase. Yeah, maintenance phase. It's... <laughs> we're going to talk about what Michael Hobbs would call bomo stuff. <laughs> Which he said was his family's way of saying, like, poop stuff. Okay. It was like their little little euphemism. (laughs) So, cholera is a disease not caused by a virus, but by bacteria. Mm -hmm. Which is why, after a natural disaster, Mm -hmm. your infrastructure is severely impaired. Yep. It's it's the water system, which we're going to talk about. So, specifically, cholera is caused by strains of the bacterium Vibrio cholerae. And these bacteria are natural and naturally occur in salt water and brackish water. Um, And hello, just another reason not to go in the ocean, in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Other than the creatures. (laughs) Though, (coughs) excuse me, admittedly not all... Uh, of these bacteria cause the disease cholera just certain strains. The problem with these bacteria strains and what makes them so dangerous is that they can produce a toxin, understandably named the cholera toxin. And the way that these bacteria can get into the human body is the gross stuff part. The disease spreads primarily, though not exclusively, via the fecal oral route. Yeah. So gross, yes. Um, I am not calling people who have had cholera gross. No, no, no. no. I, I, human bodies are disgusting. They are. But it's just... We are creatures just like everything else. We're animals just like all other animals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that isn't the... So that's not the only way that bacteria can spread. It can be transmitted via food that has been washed or cooked in contaminated water with bacteria. Um, so it's pretty insidious because it, if it gets in the water supply, then that's a problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then nobody can drink the water. Yep. But people are going to because you're thirsty. You ha- you will die otherwise. You'll die if you <laughs> don't. For certain. Yes. So you're taking you're just you're just going to take your chance either way. Exactly. So as a result, the foods that tend to transmit these dangerous bacteria are most the, mostly things like fruits and vegetables grown or in or washed in contaminated water. Or, more disgustingly, fertilized with human waste. So if anyone ever wonders, like, hey, why why do we use animal manure and not human waste to um, fertilize crops? That's very good reason This is one of those reasons. We can care. Oh, there are bacteria mm-hmm. that we can't do that. No. <laughs> so. And I... I come from a place where they use liquid manure, and man, you can smell that. Sh- you can literally smell that shit for miles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's disgusting. Uh, you, you do get used to it, but yeah. it, it only lasts for like it lasts, lasts like for a couple weeks early spring, and then you're just oh. kind of like, but yeah, it's out there. Other riskier food includes seafood, especially eaten raw, and foods that were irrigated with contaminated water. Um, 
or packed in contaminated ice. Hmm. So there's a lot of ways it can actually Mm -hmm. get there. Now, what does cholera as bacteria actually do to the human body? Well, welcome to trigger warning number two. And unfortunately, that label alone is telling. Yeah. Number two. Number two. The prime no, number two. <laughs> number two. The primary symptom of cholera at its onset is sudden, profuse diarrhea that is especially mm. watery. So, as we know, like the the reason diarrhea is ever a problem is because of the loss of water. Dehydration. It can lead to dehydration. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of times, people with cholera also vomit. The classic coming out of both ends idea. Yeah. Yeah. And vomiting obviously makes your throat really dry. Well, and you're throwing up more Mm -hmm. water. It's also dehydrating. So the immediate danger that comes along with cholera as a disease is dehydration. Now, obviously, if you're losing water at a rapid rate, possibly from multiple orifices, uh, it is extremely easy to become dehydrated, sometimes within hours, because you just simply are not keeping the proper balance of water in your body. And there's there's nobody to offer you clean water either, probably in that situation. It depends Uh, on the situation, right? Otherwise, Mm -hmm. you would be drinking clean water. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's... uh... So, I'm not sure if we've ever really discussed dehydration in detail. Um... So we all know it's bad. I don't think we have. We all know it's bad. We know yeah. you can go longer without food than you can without water. Correct. Um, but why? So to simplify it, <laughs> meaning not to get into the nitty gritty of sodium and electrolytes and everything, in humans, dehydration leads to rapid weight loss, loss of, quote, water weight, right? Like a lot of people who go on, like, crash diets, what they're losing is actually water weight. I would think it would lead to, like, heart failure and stuff, too. Yeah, so we're going to get to that. Oh. Yep. oh, okay. You can get dry mouth, yeah. obviously difficulty swallowing because yeah. there's just nothing lubricating your throat. <laughs> water is literally essential to us. It we have to have it. absolutely is. It absolutely <laughs> is. The cells of the body also start oh, to dehydrate. God. That's not good. The tissues in the skin of the body starts drying out. And horrifyingly, the eyes start to get soft. Because they're very liquidy, right? So they're starting oh, to like... Ugh. So you go long enough without water, and it doesn't take long at all. I think you can survive like three days without water, and so that's about it's it. Not very it's long. not long. Um, and the body basically just starts to shut down. So you typically develop a fever, and then the brain starts to have trouble regulating the body temperature. Eventually, the heart just can't keep up with the rate it needs to keep pumping in a healthy manner. It starts pumping less and less blood. I ima- I would guess your blood volume goes down, too, because your blood requires water. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm not talking. Your fucking, <laughs> your whole body shuts down. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Well, that's and we're, thing, and we're, so... we're, we're talking about cells, too. It's yes. just like, that's how far it goes. So because there's no water to spare, the body will either slow or completely stop sweating. And that's very important to your body's temperature regulation. So you can then have a giant spike in a fever because your body can't cool itself down. Uh, urine output slows or stops altogether. And then the body's electrolyte system is just massively out of whack. The kidneys start to shut down, the blood pressure falls. Eventually, if untreated, a person experiencing dehydration will die. I mean, it's, it's a guarantee. It still happens to uh, athletes occasionally that 
Mm. To, the, to this day. Often it's like imbalance issues, mm-hmm. right? Not lack of no. w- hydration, but yeah. Problem. Well, like, and we did the hold your wee for a wee. Yep. You can get off balance in multiple ways. Yes, you can. You can. You can Over hydration. You and... can get water poisoning. Yes. Mm-hmm. Extremely rare. Yep. But... Because of the extreme nature of mm-hmm. it, right? But yeah. So now today, of course, treatment is possible for people experiencing severe dehydration if they get that needed treatment. The treatment is IV fluids, right? Get water into your body. Or if that's not available and the dehydration isn't too severe, you can do oral rehydration. It just is a matter of how far along the um, dehydration is or what the person can or cannot keep down, you know, if they're vomiting or have diarrhea. Antibiotics may also help, of course, because it's bacteria that's causing uh, that. Um, Of course, if treatment isn't received or available, as is the case in certain geographic locations or development because capitalism is horrific and we've developed a world that has um, complete disparity in what's available to who, then things will not look good at all for the person with the disease Cholera has a death rate of over 50% if left untreated. Yeah. And that can happen really quickly, depending. Sometimes people will die within like 12 to 24 hours. Yeah. It can be really, really fast. So, all right. So, as treatable as cholera is now, it's not eradicated. Like, it will never, it's a a naturally occurring bacteria, right? Yeah. And you can't guarantee that there won't be cross contamination, all that stuff. You can't yeah. guarantee that with anything. No, much but less it's, a, much less a water supply. But it's not a virus, right? You can't exactly. develop a vaccine nope. for it, or it's just, or it's, it's just going to be with that us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and of course, even if we could vaccinate people against it, we still wouldn't eradicate it because no. <clears throat> we're idiots <laughs> who can't, <laughs> who cannot. Anyway, never mind. The main risk for contracting cholera is contaminated water supply. And while it's cute to think that safe water is only inaccessible in developing countries, of course oh, we know that's not the case. Hello, Flint, Michigan. And uh, where's the city in Texas? That's... Well, fucking uh, the capital of Mississippi. Literally oh, has, uh, yeah. Jackson has mm-hmm. no, no water, like no fresh water. Everything is coming in on, yeah. In Merca, the greatest land of all lands. Well, I mean, statistically the richest country that's ever been, and we have... Major cities that don't have water. And we don't seem to care. And they had to close down schools. Oh. Hmm. Something I thought Republicans were against. Yeah. But, well, guess what? When there's no water, you have to close down everything, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, a side note, if you want to get, like, really fucking depressed about America... Um, the live, do- live here for the past. Seven well, years. there's that, but also um, the but dollop. That, but that makes some people excited about America. I know the dollop did an episode about the 1984 LA Olympics that was really good. So I just recommend that one. Okay, was it a like it a was shit recent. show or was it? It it basically so it was in the middle of Reagan. Yep. Um, it caused major ripple effects. Um, hmm. not the least of which were for LA and California. Um, but like some, some major stuff happened as a, yeah, it was a lot more far reaching than I would have thought. It was interesting. It was a recent episode. So, um, so there is some evidence that cholera has been around for quite some time with some references to an illness that may have been cholera in writings going back to ancient Greece, 
but it's it's hard to know like what would have been collar and what would sure. nobody had identified it or you know sussed it out at yeah. that you know in the in that time so um but cholera as a known and identified disease didn't happen until the 19th century and when it did it came out with a bang so in ni- in sorry 1817 an outbreak of cholera began in Jessore, India, which is basically around what is now known as Bangladesh. Okay. The outbreak continued throughout what is now Bangladesh, India, Myanmar, and Sri Lanka. Things continued to deteriorate in the region over the next few years as more cholera outbreaks happened in farther flung areas, including Thailand, Indonesia, and the Philippines. And then things got really bad really fast. For example, over a hundred thousand people died in Indonesia alone. Wow! I mean, so these are this is these was massive, massive death yeah. tolls. So, I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's mm-hmm. the outbreaks continued into into the Middle East, and sure. it was recorded um, that eighteen thousand people died in one week in Basra, Iraq. One week, one city, 18,000 people. If you uh, remember, we did visit Basra in episode 85. I looked it up. The Basra grain poisoning. Way back. Wow. Almost 200 episodes ago. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, this being the early 19th century and all, medical knowledge is nothing like it is now. And while we may struggle worldwide with clean water supplies, it's nowhere near what it was back then. Louis Pasteur wouldn't begin to posit his germ theory of disease until 1860. Yeah, that was uh, quite a while after this. There were, like, the makings, going back to, like, the 17th century, of, like, hey, we think there's, like, some thing. Starting to figure some things out here and there, like, you know. But the breakthrough was not yet. Maybe if people are coughing into the water, that's a bad thing. (laughs) Well, isn't that funny how, like... People had to learn that. Yeah, well, of course. It seems so um, common knowledge to us today, but everything we know now that's common knowledge had to be learned. Well, I mean, I always think of, like, if you're 20 years old, 20 years old today, and if you're looking back at, let's say you're looking back at somebody's home video Uh of... Like at a bar or restaurant, like everybody in there is smoking. Yes, uh-huh. and they'd be like, "What are you doing? I like, know, are you, right? Like, are you fucking stupid? Like, or or see an old uh, movie, <laughs> yeah. smoking or non? Like, what? Yeah, huh? <laughs> are you at a hookah yeah, that's, lounge? Like, that's what are you true. Doing? That's true. They've never been offered that choice. No. <laughs> Isn't that wild? It is kind of funny. Yeah, that was like my whole adulthood. Pretty much, there's smoking's been banned in restaurants. But I do True. remember that yeah. being a kid. And it, looking back on it, it's so dumb. As though there's some invisible wall between smoking and non-smoking sections. Yeah. You can smell the smoke <laughs> yeah. in the non-smoking yeah. section. Well, sometimes they had it like around a corner at sometimes, least. Sometimes. Like yeah, they designed it a certain Kind way. of in a different room, but not really. <laughs> but made it... Oh, yeah. no, it's okay. You won't get secondhand yeah. smoke exposure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they, but they must look back on that shit and be like... What the fuck were you guys right? thinking? Like, are you insane? Well, you go back a hundred years and people <laughs> didn't even know that smoking was bad for That's, you. You didn't even have to go back that far. You could yeah. go back like 10 years before that. So, um, so yeah, they, they didn't have germ theory of disease. So imagine trying to fight something that you don't know what is actually causing it. It's really tough. And they don't have nearly the medical knowledge we have now. So... There was a second wave of cholera that began to spread globally in 1829. 
And it spread into new territory when it reached Moscow and St. Petersburg. So it was hitting Russia. Then it traveled to the Nordic countries and eventually into Eastern Europe. So it's starting to reach Europe now. And as we know, once something affects Caucasian people, it's a problem. (laughs) That has been how the world has worked. (laughs) That's when people start working on the problem. Exactly. It was a problem before, but we were like, well, whatever. Exactly. (laughs) As long as it doesn't reach... Oh, shit. (laughs) Oh, now we have to worry. Uh, I guess we have to put some resources into this now. The bacteria were basically being... We won't tell them the answer, though. (laughs) We're being spread along trade routes, right? So that's how it was spreading. And because sure. people High, didn't... Well, densely populated areas, you, you would think. Well, yes, but yeah. also, like, how is the actual bacteria mm-hmm. spreading? Moving along. It yeah. was being spread by the trade routes. Yeah, they were bringing drinking water and such on, on board those ships. Um, and because people didn't really understand how germs and how they spread and cause disease, there was no mitigation to be done because nobody understood it. It was also becoming clear that what they were kind of figuring out was that cholera wasn't quote contagious in the sense that like you could take care of someone with cholera and you wouldn't get infected with it. So it was like, can you imagine like, you don't know what viruses are. You don't know what germs are. You just know that sometimes when somebody is sick and you help them, you get sick. And now this person is sick and 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 you don't. Yeah. That would be really confusing. (laughs) Yeah, so it's like, what did he do that I didn't mm-hmm. do? Or vice versa. And they knew how to quarantine people, but quarantining sure. wasn't going to help this issue. No. So it wasn't an effective strategy. At, now, at least some of the experts of the day were starting to recognize the link between waste and the disease. Like sure. uh, hygiene and health and uh, cleanliness. Only took, like, let's see, we're talking, <laughs> only took, like, a... 10,000 years of civilization <laughs> to figure all this out? Uh, well, things were really gross and dirty back then. Yes, they were. <laughs> Compared to like, now. <laughs> not even that long ago. Mm-hmm. Just a couple generations ago. And one of the doctors observing this was Dr. Benito Ordas y Albuena, Balbuena, sorry, a Spanish doctor with a medical practice in London. So the cholera outbreak eventually reached Western Europe and England and then spread across the Atlantic to Canada where over 1,000 deaths were recorded in Quebec in June 1832 alone. Okay. Since disease and germs do not recognize borders, boy, did we learn that uh, with viruses, cholera spread down into the U.S. via the East Coast, then to the Gulf Coast. It hit New Orleans especially hard, killed 5,000 people there. Like So the death toll of these outbreaks, I mean... It's catastrophic. Oh. It, it really, really is. Eventually, the pandemic spread south to the Caribbean and to Mexico, which is where we finally start getting into the origins of our so-called mummies of Guanajuato. Mm. So 1833, I learned a lot about uh, Mexican history this week. 1833 was a pretty historic year for Mexico and not for for all good reasons. Uh, cholera was only one of the not, not good, good reasons. Uh-huh. So for context, as a country, Mexico was still very young. The Mexican War of Independence, which is a long, drawn-out, and fragmented series of conflicts, lasted from 1810 to 1821, and it resulted in the country's independence from Spain. 
1824, the first Constitution of Mexico was enacted, creating the first Federal Republic of Mexico. So that's less than a decade before this outbreak. Mm-hmm. So they're barely a country at this point, right? They barely a, a nascent country, as yes. it were. So at the time of the outbreak in 1833, the prior president, Anastasio Bustamante, had executed his predecessor, Vincente Guerrero, <laughs> and by executed, I mean killed, <laughs> mm-hmm. which wasn't well received by his political opponents, including Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana, which led to the Casamata Plan Revolution, which overthrew Bustamante's rule. <laughs> There's lots of coups going on here. The election of 1833 resulted in Santa Ana being elected vice president and Valentin Gomez Farias elected president. Now, kind of oddly or remarkably, the two men alternated the presidency. They like swapped back and forth who was president. Um, Each served periods lasting between 15 and 135 days. Okay. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) It is very strange. Before settling on Santa Ana for a bit in 1834. As you can imagine, if you've got a relatively new country and now your presidents are like flip-flopping, that's not going to exactly stabilize the situation, you know. Further, there was a lot of political infighting of Mexican leaders that distracted them from possibly taking action to prepare for the potential epidemic leading up to 1833. So by the the you know this 1820s to 1830s pandemic it was already established that cholera did spread so when the disease was making its way down canada and into the united states it was pretty clear like mexico like hey heads up this is coming your way Mm. right in 1831 the mexican minister of foreign affairs wrote to dr ordas who i mentioned before who was the spanish uh doctor practicing in london wrote to him for advice on mitigation measures that the country might take before cholera cholera reached the country. And Dr. Oras suggested enacting major sanitation efforts. Remember, he's the Mm -hmm. one who kind of realized what was going on. Now, I I could be wrong. I don't know what period of, like, movies this is, but you know how famously people would throw their waste out the window. Oh, sure. There there were definitely um, references to parts of Mexico having just, like, giant piles of garbage and waste in the street you know so at least this doctor was starting to put two and two together and say clean up if you live in filth Mm -hmm. guess what Mm -hmm. diseases happen but at the time uh the president was anastasio bustamante he later stated that he thought that some of the reports of the disease quote must be greatly exaggerated end quote By the time cholera was headed their way, he did finally give in and encourage Congress to start cleaning up the dumps of Mexico City. But, quote, my words went as unheeded as those of the aged Noah, end quote. Do you know that reference? Uh, I mean, Noah's Ark? Yeah, but but do you know that his his, uh, pleas went unheeded? I have no idea. So the idea is, you know, God told Noah that the world was going to flood, and he tried to tell everybody else, hey, if the world's going to flood, come with me and my ark. And they were all like, no. Yeah, Yeah, because God was loving and wanted to kill them all. He's not going to genocide us. No. Oh, shit. Ah! You should have listened to that guy. (laughs) That Noah guy. Exactly. That's how they went out, too. So early 18, 1833 saw the arrival of cholera. 
in Mexico. At the same time, news was coming out of Cuba that thousands of people were dying from the disease, which was reported heavily in the Mexican press, rightly alarming the Mexican public and leadership. In Mexico City, strict household cleaning guidelines were instituted with those who did not follow them receiving stiff fines, so they were trying to mitigate it. While mitigation measures were being enacted that spring, the upheaval of the Mexican government was still taking place, with Farias and Santa Ana taking power and concerning themselves much more with the fact that the Mexican federal government was basically bankrupt. Well, I mean, it's a brand new government. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Plenty of political infighting was Mm -hmm. also revving up, causing further distraction from cholera mitigation. Texas, which had become part of Mexico during the War of Independence, was also starting to uprise against the Federalist government. So, With the government distracted, cholera continued to spread throughout the country, including Tampico on the East Coast and the Yucatan Peninsula, and eventually, by the end of July 1833, to the state of Guanajuato in central Mexico. So Guanajuato had received its status as a state in 1824, when the country of Mexico uh, drafted its constitution, the name comes from the Purépecha language, a language that's not spoken by many people. It's actually not even technically a dialect. It's its own language altogether, so it's not like a Spanish dialect or something. Okay. It's semantically very different. The, da- the name Guanajuato came from the Purépecha name Huata, which means Frog Hill. Okay. So... There was also a big, or the area was a big mining town from way back in the Spanish colony days. Within the state of Guanajuato is its capital, also called Guanajuato or Guanajuato City, to set it apart from the state's name. The city was key in Mexico's fight for independence. The war for independence is considered to have started in Guanajuato in September 1810. Those are just the cats. Yeah, I'm like, what is going (laughs) on? They're so noisy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the fridge turned on. The fridge turned on. That's yeah. whatever. Yeah. We're not gonna. <laughs> we'll do it live. Yeah. Sure, I'm sure somebody out there is doing a count. Like, oh, what happened <laughs> this episode? Take a shot every time <laughs> yes. the fridge goes up. So, um, I could not find a clear number of how many people died in Guanajuato during this cholera epidemic. It's not surprising. It was long ago sure. in a new country. Record keeping wasn't what it is. Blah blah. I did find reference to the fact that as many as 200 people per day were dying in Mexico City, obviously a highly populated city, one of the most populous cities in the, in the world. So I imagine that was it was also pretty awful throughout the country. Working backwards on some math from some sources, I did come up with a figure around five or six thousand, but it that that's very loose math. I mean, you have you also have to remember this is uh, 1833, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the United States is a, still a brand new country. The United States is only That's a little true. over 40 years old. Mm-hmm. That's it. Many advantages. Yeah. Fifth. Well. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about when we ratified our Constitution. I gotcha. So, cl- well, yeah. like 40, 50 years old, right? Yeah. yeah it's still something like that. But still, yes, you're right. You're right. Well, a lot is changing constantly due yeah. to colonization and independence mm-hmm. declarations and all, all over this mm-hmm. part of the globe mm-hmm. it's happening in south america too yeah so as can often happen during such rapid pandemics especially those occurring so far back it was difficult to keep up with the bodies that needed to be buried yeah. and oh, well i say back then 
look at like some of the shit that what happened during that? COVID. Yeah, they had to bring in New York City. Yeah. Like there was some shit that had yeah. that went down. They had to bring in literally like freezer trucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have that in 1833. No. So the cemeteries in Guanajuato filled rapidly, including the local Saint Paula Cemetery. Mexico was affected the most uh, near the end of this wave of cholera. Things died down for a bit before the disease made a comeback in a big way, beginning around 1852. This third cholera pandemic is often considered the worst, like the deadliest. It's thought that it began in India, eventually spreading globally once again. Two more cholera pandemic echoes occurred in the 19th century in 1863 and 1881, so as you can see, things really didn't let up on the cholera front for decades. It came back again in 1899. I mean, this is just again and again and mm-hmm. again, and we're still in one now. And we're in the, I think we're in the sixth or seventh now. Okay. It's considered. Yeah, I mean. Recorded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Still goes on. Mm-hmm. At some point after the 1863 outbreak, but before the one that started in 1881, so sources differed on the exact year, but local f- authorities in Guanajuato enacted a tax, likely due to the lack of grave space in town that was very much needed after already two pandemics had swept through. The tax was required for perpetual burial. Mm. Yeah, I mean... So I'm shocked that we don't have this in the United States because it seems perfectly capitalistic of us. It it seems like some... Maybe I shouldn't give anybody ideas. But the idea is that in... You know, like what we do now is you pay, and it's a huge amount. It's not cheap to bury somebody. No, it's thousands and thousands of dollars. It's not cheap at all. Tens of thousands of dollars. Yes, um, and it can go up from there. Yeah, that's that's (laughs) depending on what you want. That's just where it starts. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, and that's why why I've always said just throw me in the woods. Right. Like it's just like. Well, I learned so much recently about (laughs) the funeral industry at work. Yeah. Do way more. Well, they have the body farm in Texas. Is what I'm saying. Um, but not only, and I didn't know this before I, I did this research or learned this at work, that there, you don't just bury a coffin in the ground, you bury it in a vault in the ground. Mm-hmm. So there's like so many yeah. layers, literally, yeah. to how this works. It's, it's wild. But this is 18, well, at this point, the 1860s in Mexico. Somebody's just digging a hole. Well, yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. It's not six six feet. (laughs) Yeah. So the idea was with this perpetual burial tax, hey, do you want your loved ones or your ancestors, depending on how far back as they go, to stay buried? Well, pay up. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) I kid you not. This is what they were saying. You know, it was in newspapers, too. This this is like early infomercials. Mm. Like, hey. Oh, my God. Do you want to keep your loved ones buried? Just pay us this tax. Yeah. Do you not want their bones to be uh, oh my God. eaten up by coyotes because we only <laughs> buried them like six inches? Oh, no. I'm going to we'll go through all of that. So, as you can imagine, in 19th century Mexico, not many people were exactly, in the words of John Ralphio, flush with cash. <laughs> One of the greatest TV characters of all time. I love John Ralphio. Yes. Oh, don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. See, I don't, I don't love that. 
Oh, I think it's hilarious. But, but all of his other stuff. Oh when, my god. He's when so when funny. he would just show up, it'd be like you know it's shout in somebody's yeah. ear. <laughs> you'd be like, you'd be like you know he's gonna do something ridiculous. Mm. You just don't know what it's gonna be. <laughs> but yeah, so I remember funny. that. Flush with cash. It's a great gift, too. <laughs> oh, boy. So. Cheers, for, cheers to you, John Ralphio. Yes. John Ralphio Saperstein. Yes. <laughs> so, as a result, to make room for the newly deceased, some of the bodies buried after the 1830s pandemic were disinterred. In other words, they got dug up. Now, obviously, they had to do was they had some to do something with these bodies that they dug up. The plan was to haul the remains out of town and bury them in a common grave. So obviously, it's, it's the easiest thing to do. They would still be buried, but not in a dedicated place <laughs> yeah. where their loved ones could visit or whatever. You know, so that's it. it's it's pretty corrupt. <laughs> like that's a that's a shitty business model. I mean, but but you're talking at a time where, I mean, uh, if somebody from 1833 saw modern infrastructure, sure. as shitty as it is in the United States, they'd still be like, holy fucking Christ. Like, wow. And but, income like, tax you know, wasn't necessarily no, a thing back then either. No, not really. So, you know, if you got to dig a mass grave just to make things easier, then you dig a mass mm-hmm. grave just to make things easier. Yeah. It's, it's that simple. But can you imagine someone saying like, hey, your great-grandpa or maybe a closer relation, but... He's, he's like, over there somewhere. ...is buried here <laughs> unless you pay up. We're going to throw him in a grave <laughs> with a bunch of other pores. Hey, you know? I mean, it's capitalism, right? Yeah. That's why I'm saying I'm shocked that we don't do this. <laughs> Hopefully no one will pick up on that. Maybe Hopefully it's a law. Hopefully the funeral industry would not. Maybe it's a law that the Supreme Court will overturn, like, next year. <laughs> Very possible. <laughs> yeah. um, something else I learned that I actually do agree with um, about the funeral industry, a lot of, well, the, so this is just factual, you know, a lot of, um, at least in the United States, very large chains... Mm. have popped up that have bought up it used to be a family type of business you know throughout the country and then a lot of these conglomerates just bought up a bunch of them but there are still family run funeral homes and some exposure I've had to them they're actually pretty nice people and care so it's worth if it's an option to you and yours if somebody passes that you need to make (laughs) arrangements for to to deal with a a smaller family run funeral well imagine being in charge of Imagine being in charge of having to make a dead person look as good as possible. That's just one thing. But have a whole presentation, flowers, cards. I mean, they're involved in so it's it's But you a, know the people I've talked with have like had a genuine Well, like, I think that's why for it, I think which that's, is very nice. But I think having to it's do all dignity. those things. I think yeah. having to do all those things, you would really only do it if you cared. Yeah, at least like for those places, right? Those yeah. smaller places. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's now I'm not to, maybe avoid the six feet under people, but <laughs> yeah, definitely do that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they but were no, also fictional. <laughs> but there are so many uh, intricacies to that business that people don't think about. Oh I mean, there's, yes, there's a lot. They, they've got their arms and. In a lot of different places. There's a lot of different skills, mm-hmm. a lot of regulatory requirements, yep. as there should be. Yep. Um, so, yeah. Lots of licensing, all sorts of things. So, 
some of the bodies that were disinterred, that were dug up, um, were found, to, and and some of whom, or many of whom, were victims of cholera back in the 1833 pandemic, they were found to be in remarkably well-preserved condition, essentially naturally mummified. Um, mummified is very well-preserved. Are you ready? Sure. See, mummy photos don't really creep me out all that much. These are real humans. Yeah, that's, yeah I've kind of seen this kind of stuff before. Yeah. That's... Yeah, it's grim. It is. But it, I mean, it tells, I mean, talk about telling a story. Yes. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, it's preserved from. When our story's not done yet. No, I know, but I'm, yeah. Just, oh, yeah. We are, we are setting it up. Yes. Um, so, while some of the bodies had been at least partially embalmed, it appears that the soil and the climate of Guanajuato was uniquely qualified to facilitate this version of natural mummification. So it was sure. like dry soil sure. because just all moisture, the conditions, just all the conditions exactly. were right. Moisture's going to decay things, mm. right? Well, it was dry. There were certain uh, minerals in the soil, stuff like that. And I mean, there's purposeful mummification, mm-hmm. um, embalming, and all yep. that stuff. But that's not what this is. This is just natural. At least not entirely. Right. Like I said, it was found that some of them were at least partially embalmed, so there was a little bit. But yeah. Um. But like I said, the environment was really what sort of dictated how well they were preserved. So. The, basically, the corpses had unintentionally been kept dry enough to have slowed their natural decaying process. Also, during the 1830s pandemic, those who died of cholera were buried quickly to try and curb the sure. spread of the disease. So it's not like these bodies were hanging around before they got buried. So they were almost immediately put in the environment. Yeah, they, they had the right idea. Soil. Yeah, basically... They were sort of buried fresh, as it were. Um, The bodies found preserved typically had some pretty horrific facial expressions, which led to rumors of some being buried alive. But it's completely natural for the decay of a corpse to cause an extreme, like the sunken cheekbones, the wide mouth, um, a very gaunt and terrifying Here's what we do know is that it wasn't fun Mm -mm. at all Mm. for anybody. And... It is thought that uh, there was one mummy that was found, a woman in, named Ignacia Aguilar. That's thought, based on the evidence, she actually did get buried alive. That mm. she had cholera, and it was fucking with her heart function. So they thought she was dead because they couldn't feel a pulse. The reason they think that she was found buried alive is she was found lying face down, having bitten her own arm. And there was blood in her mouth, evidence of blood in her mouth. So she was trying to, yeah, get out. Who knows? Or or just completely disassociated with reality because wouldn't yeah, you be just, if you were buried alive after yeah. suffering from color? So. Yeah. Any, um, and anybody who's seen the end of the movie Casino can identify with that. Really? I've never seen Casino. Yeah, they get buried alive at the end. All of them? No, two characters. Uh, Joe Pesci's character and his and his brother. Who plays his brother? Uh, he's, he was really only in that movie. 
but they basically beat the crap out of them with baseball bats uh-huh. and leave them buried, barely alive. Oh my god! And then bury them, and it's just like that. I think I've mentioned awful. this before, but being buried alive is like one of my. That's pretty. That's pretty awful. Yeah, one of my triggers. <laughs> yeah, I imagine it would trigger anybody, it's but you know, anybody. It's especially horrific to me. If that does happen to you, if that's a fear of yours, watch Kill Bill Volume Two, and you can learn how to get out of it. Oh, okay. Did Uma Thurman get out? She did. Alive? Okay. Have you never seen that movie? I've never seen either Kill Bill. Oh, they're really kills good. Bill. <laughs> kills Kills. <laughs> they're really good. It's like it's it's kind of like the last of Tarantino being really good. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> on to on to mummification. Yes. So eventually, between one hundred eight and one hundred eleven corpses were found in this mummified state, including several infants mm. and a six-month-old fetus. Mm. Actually, I'm gonna hold off on showing. Okay. Right. <laughs> you have something to look forward to. Sure. Um, these preserved corpses, so the, the fetus's mother died of cholera mm-hmm. while pregnant. So these preserved corpses were considered remarkable even at the time they were originally disinterred. Because like, wow, they're really well preserved. So instead of just burying them in the mass grave like they were going to, the cemetery decided to begin, excuse me, storing the mummified remains separately in an ossuary which is a vault meant to hold remains. So specifically bones. That's where ossuary comes like, like osteoporosis. Oh, sure. That's right. Okay. So eventually the cemetery amassed something of a mummy collection. And in a town where there is a tax to for perpetual burial, yes, what do you think their thought was? Hey, we have a lot of interesting mm. looking mummies. What if... We charge admission for people to see them. We kind of did that in Las Vegas. What did we? They weren't mummies. Oh, yes. The bodies exhibit. Mm -hmm. The bodies exhibit. Yes. That was a different situation. It was. (laughs) Very true. I'm pretty sure that was all consensual, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, But it was still fucking creepy. I saw basically the creepiest thing I'll ever see in my Which entire one? life. The, the hanging skin. Oh, yeah. The hanging skin was pretty intense. I was like, okay. That's I'm <laughs> like, good. You're ready. I was like, I'm you're good. Ready to leave. That's right. Well, I mean, that was like almost towards the end. And I was just like, all right. That's good. That's. I, mean, <laughs> I remember you were trying to move me along yep. a little fast. <laughs> like, yep, I'm going to smoke a cigarette. I'm going to have a cocktail. <laughs> I'm going to get legal weed. <laughs> <laughs> so they... Started letting people come see this informal collection of mummified bodies, charging a small entrance fee. Obviously, this was not well regulated. Initially, people were allowed to touch their remains. Uh, I mean, well, yeah. Some, it's, it's literally like a, it's almost like an original, release, like, or, roadside attraction yes, kind of thing. Yes, like a freak show type of thing. Come touch the mummies. Not only that, some people apparently even... Broke off parts well, of I'm the sure. corpses to keep as like souvenirs, yeah. which or to sell. or to see if they're real. Yeah, if oh, are they really dead bodies? <laughs> so <laughs> gross and morbid. I mean, but again, you have to put it into the context of like at this yes. time. Yes. No, but I'm saying like at I this time, it. people lived until like 40, maybe if well, you were lucky. No, so, that's not so really like, how it worked. But no, no, no. But I'm saying like like these are just morbid times. They are morbid times. My problem is more the lack of consent. Sure. With any of this. Yeah. Like, if somebody, hey, 
If I said, and I wouldn't put this be this past me saying, like, hey, mummify me and exhibit me. That'd be amazing. Put my body in the body's exhibit. Yeah. Like dip me in gold. Whatever <laughs> no, you whatever you want to do. No, something that's either educational or yeah. whatever. But none of these people or their families no. consented to this. No. And it's also really gross that a cemetery took advantage of its interred for this. Like, that's and just without ethics. Correct. But I mean, are, like, granted, ethics were different at this time, but still. But there are also conditions that led to it. The main one being, you know, this is a new country. you got to make your money how you can make your money. I and get that. So, the, like, I get yeah. that. Not only the... The victims of cholera and the and the, the no. other bodies, they're they weren't the only people. No, not at all. Like this in is, tough this, spots. <laughs> this is affected. This affected everybody. Yes, yes, absolutely. So I do get. Ouch! I do huh? get that. There we go. Oh. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I have short nails at the moment. Very short nails. So, um, but with uh, Sarah moving close by, I'll have frequently very nicely painted nails. There so there we go. go. Um, and I'll have a pool. Yeah, you will have pool access. You absolutely will. Neither of us are good. Sarah and I aren't going to use it, so you will have I'm sure shit will. Uh-huh. <laughs> I might use their sauna. There you go. All right. So, um, Guanajuato fortunately did eventually stop the perpetual burial tax in 1958 it took a long yeah, time yeah i mean yeah. that's like literally the year my parents were born so. yeah it is your prince and madonna and michael jackson were born that's right lots of famous people we get one out of three left <laughs> the worst <laughs> of the three well, of the three yes yeah of i the mean three. michael jackson was an actual predator so there's that i'm going solely off music oh solely off music yeah, she's, she's the, worst. the worst of the three she's yeah. the worst it's a toss-up Prince is definitely number one. It's a toss-up between, uh, yeah, yeah, yes. In on all, well, um, look, Michael Jackson's Prince, music is pretty great, Prince actually but played, he's horrible. Prince actually played guitar. He did. He was very talented. And he was a fucking shredder. Mm-hmm. Like, he was, like, metal guitar players, like, have a respect for Prince. His um, Super Bowl appearance in Miami is often considered one of the one best, of the best. performances. Yeah. Yeah. I still remember watching mm-hmm. that. Because it was raining. Yeah, and Purple Rain in And he rain. had to play Purple If he wasn't, I mean, he had oh, to play Of course it. he was going to anyway. Had to play it anyway, but I mean, uh, it just made it so much better. I literally know two Prince songs, and they are Purple Rain and Kiss. Oh, I mean. That's all a, I know. many more. When but Doves my Aunt cry. Tracy is a huge Prince fan. She always has been. Yeah, my oldest sister. I mean, I grew up with. Yeah. Prince cassette tapes all over the house. <laughs> Prince and the Revolution. And of course, he is the subject of one of the best Chappelle show skits. Yes, Even though, again, is. Dave Chappelle, highly problematic person. But anyway. So back to Guanajuato. <laughs> so in the meantime, you know, between this perpetual burial tax being stopped and everything... This informal mummy attraction had grown to have worldwide notoriety. I'm, well, I'm sure. Like for, a freak show status sort of thing. Well, and there were probably like legit scientists that were. This is at a time yes, when. Yes, though I got the impression that the it bulk was more of people. Show yes. Stuff. Yeah. Or it was touristy sort yeah. of thing to do. And it drew visitors from around the world. Mm-hmm. Money, money, money. Famously, Ray Bradbury. Mm. author of Fahrenheit 451, among many other works, visited the museum and was 
understandably very disturbed by it. Of course. He would later say, quote, the experience so wounded and terrified me, I could hardly wait to flee Mexico. I had nightmares. (laughs) (laughs) I had nightmares about dying and having to remain in the halls of the dead with those propped and wired bodies, end quote. So let me show you some of those propped and wired bodies. Oh, let's put this this poor guy in a coat. Let's dress the corpses. Yeah, that's fucked up. I think that's fucked up. I think that's very fucked up. I, I have a certain sense of, like, I, I do not believe in an afterlife. I I believe once you're dead, you're dead, whatever happens Gone. to your body. But, but you don't want to be dressed disrespecting up Disrespecting a... to somebody else is a whole other level. Yeah. And, and to their relatives and all that. You don't want to come across a necrophiliac. Well, or not even that. Just disrespectful. I, it's disrespectful. I, yeah, this is... It's a hall of <laughs> mummies. Fucking oh. nightmarish. Well, see, it's perfect for Halloween. Yes. <laughs> um, that is fucked up. This is the fetus. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I know. You just don't want to look at that. Just going to give her that right back. This is some of the detail level of these mummies. These corpses. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to move that all right along. It's like Happy a re- Halloween. It's everybody. like a real tool video. <laughs> <laughs> yes, basically. Like, like, I wouldn't is. be surprised if Tool has visited. Guadalupe. I'm sure they have been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Ray Bradbury in 1947, inspired by his visit, published the Jeez, short story. Is that fucking old? Oh yeah. Is he dead? Yes, I'm he must pretty be. sure. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. He was born in the 20s, I think. Jeez, so I he was, he was or 1920, I believe. I think okay. he was 27 when he visited. Anyway. He, he published the short story, The Next in Line, inspired by his visit. It's, it's a time. horror story, and this is where I got the Cliff's Notes <laughs> um, source. A horror story about a woman who is obsessed with death and visits the mummies in Mexico with her hey, husband. Sounds like a great story to me. In 1969, the attraction was established as a formal museum called El Museo de la Momias, or the Museum of the Mummies, or the Mummy Museum. The corpses were put behind glass the following year. So in 1970, they're finally like, maybe we should like, like, uh, like touch them. A little bit more respect, maybe. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. They were just letting people fucking touch yeah, these it's, it's, people. It's kind of strange. It's it's disrespectful. Like that, the, the, at best, it's disrespectful. Like I've talked about, like there are levels of weird I can handle, and there are mm-hmm. levels of weird that I can't. Like this is a level of weird that I'm just like, nope, like can't. Yeah. No. Um, over time various bodies have been preserved and displayed or taken out of the display rotation around the time this was all happening a Mexican luchador and mascarado or masked wrestler the luchadores right Mm -hmm. lucha libra yes (laughs) named El Santo who is one of the most famous luchadores starred in a B-movie called Santo versus the Mummies of Guanajuato, in which Santo fought off some of the mummies, mummies who had somehow been reanimated in a reimagining Some of, the like, tale. the actual fucking... I mean, it, no, they didn't oh. go to... The, I don't think they went to the museum to film oh, it or anything. Okay. I, I thought... It was just the premise. It inspired gotcha. the premise for the movie. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, they're, they're going... They're really going balls out with this one. This guy's, <laughs> this guy's gonna fight the mummies that we have on display. Mm. So, El Museo 
is still open to this day, allowing anyone with 85 pesos, which is like $4 and change, and little or no reservations about gawking at dead bodies to take a look at the remains of 57 people, many of whom were victims of a deadly global pandemic and then became victims of good old capitalism. And that, my friends, was the story of the mummies of Guanajuato. That's, that is crazy. <laughs> I mean, but it, the whole like, time, what the, 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 the whole time, once we got into it, though, mm-hmm. the, the whole time I'm thinking about when we went to the, the body display, mm-hmm. which was really cool in a lot of aspects. Yes. It but, really was. But here's, here is the big delineation, in my opinion, yeah. right? It a hundred percent comes down. One. Yes. Whatever somebody wants to do. Like, I am a huge believer in personal autonomy, right? Like, the one thing you own in perpetuity is your body. body. Like, and you have 100% rights to that. And, like, I understand certain circumstances in in terms of, like, psychological distress and stuff. There are certain terms under which it may be in somebody's best interest to have some version of authority over their body. I also understand punishment not in the way we have done it but punishment in terms of or dangerous people things like that people who who might harm other people's bodies then okay you may lock them up because otherwise they're going to hurt other people but for average people which these are just like average Mm -hmm. people in a town right in the 1800s like you should have say over whatever happens to your body Alive or dead. Yeah. Or, or, and that includes abdicating it to somebody else. You You know know what? Somebody was offering that for a price. You know, you should have autonomy over your body, alive or dead. Somebody was offering that price for the dead part. Like, hey, do you want to keep your remains? Yeah. Mm hmm. That's the thing. It was a hostage situation, right? It it essentially is. It was a hostage and bribe situation, sort of, that, that was created. And it makes, the shitty thing is it makes sense in capitalism. That's what I'm saying. Uh, But it's just, that's what horrified me. somebody figured out, I can charge money for this and people Mm. will pay for it. Right. Because the thing is, like, I thought about it and I was like, okay, would I go to Guanajuato and look Mm. at these bodies? And no, I don't think so. Not because I don't, I wouldn't want to see them or something, but because those people didn't say, hey, sure, or their families, right? Like, even at best, their families could have said, that's not what happened. No, if you want to go, hey, that's up to you. Yeah, I am just wouldn't be comfortable ethically with that. For me, I'm just like, eh. Mm -hmm. But uh, can I read your intro? Mm Mm-hmm. So, to sum up the episode. Sure, sure. I just thought it would be more interesting to let it unfold now. Now now it's an outro. Okay. So, years after a devastating worldwide cholera outbreak in the early 19th century, over 100 victims of the epidemic in uh, Guanajuato, Mexico, were not allowed to rest in peace and were instead disinterred and found in a natural mummified state. The remains are currently displayed at El Museo de las Momias Mm -hmm. or the Mummy Museum. Mm -hmm. And this has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week. Happy Halloween and don't dig up any bodies. <laughs> Please. Without consent. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess, it, technically. But, yeah. <laughs>